Come on, buddy. Get with the beat. That's me. You better believe it. They do the bop, bop. They do the bop, bop. Up, two, three, four. Keep it up. They do the bop. Now, let's go get that dino. Computer, what are you tracking? Many creatures live here, both great and small. Karibuni. I am Warden Wilson Mutua, and I am happy to welcome you to WDW Radio, your information station. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 271 for the week of April 22nd, 2012. So happy Earth Day and happy anniversary. Disney's Animal Kingdom. One of the things I enjoy sharing on the show are interviews with people whose work in the Disney parks you may enjoy, but whose names you may not know. From Imagineers to artists, performers, and more, each has their own journey and stories to share. And so this week, I want to introduce you to Casey Jones, a senior character artist for the Disney Design Group. A former comic book artist for Marvel, he now helps to create some of our favorite icons and merchandise in the parks and Disney Cruise Line. From Vinylmations and the Park Star series to the Muppets and the recent reintroduction of nostalgic items like the Little Orange Bird, Casey shares how these items came to be, from their concept to production, and then we'll also discuss Marvel, what's coming to Star Wars weekends, advice for others who want to do what Casey does, what we think or what we would like to see come next, including Avatar Land, food, and much more. I'll then have the answer and winner for last week's Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week and pose a new one for your chance to win a Disney prize package. I'll then play more of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. Walt Disney World was born from and continues to thrive, change, and improve due to the time, talents, and inspiration of so many creative individuals. And for many of them, we don't know their names. And the designers, engineers, and everybody involved with the creation of so much that we enjoy are often, unfortunately, known, not known to us by name. So as part of an ongoing series on the show, I want to introduce you to someone who you may have heard of and possibly, okay, probably, have a piece of his handiwork in your home, office, or maybe even in your backpack when you come to Walt Disney World. And he is Casey Jones, senior character artist over the Disney Design Group, not the railroad engineer from Disney's Brave Engineer cartoon from the 1950s, but equally as handsome, charismatic, and talented, I can assure you. Uh, Casey, welcome to the show. Hey, Lou. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. And first, I have to tell you that um, every time I come to your office and I look at your work, I go home and break my crayons because I realize how completely lack of talented I really am. 
Oh, thanks, Lou. I appreciate it. And I want to. We're going to talk about uh, a lot of the stuff that you've done because I think a lot of people may know you now from some of uh, a specific product that, that you work on. But I want to talk more about some of the other stuff that you've done uh, during your time at the company. Let's let's sort of sit back here. We're here at the lobby of the Wilderness Lodge, uh, and talk a little bit about some of your early background. Let's sort of go back to you know, were you the kid? drawing on the wall with crayons much like I do at home who always wanted to be the Disney artist? Um, well, it's weird. You know, I grew up uh, here on the East Coast and uh, a lot of the people, um, you know, who work for the company uh, did grow up, you know, with that love of Disney. But, you know, I was, uh, you know, in Virginia, so uh, I was very far away from uh, any uh, anything like CalArts or Disneyland in California. So, you know, a lot of the guys uh, from Southern California, you know, did grow up. They wanted, they wanted to, uh, to get into Disney animation and uh, I worked for the company. Um, but that was like another planet, you know, from uh, where I was. So uh, my outlet to, you know, uh, anything creative was uh, growing up reading comic books. So I grew up wanting to draw Spider-Man uh, and uh, uh, working for Marvel Comics. And uh, that was the route that I took um, as far as uh, getting my career started. And, uh, uh, you know, it's it, it, it's been, you know, uh, a, a cool journey. Uh, and, um, you know, with... Well, so, all right, so you, you're the kid who dreams about drawing comic books, which I think a lot of us were. And you said Spider-Man. You hit home with me, brother, because I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. Um, how do you start sort of going down that path? Is it, are you drawing at home? Do you start, you know, in, in grammar school, high school saying, this is what I want to do, mom and dad? I don't want to be a pharmacist. I want to draw comic books for a living. Oh no, 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 no! That that uh, that wouldn't cut it uh, in uh, in my house. So it, it was very much uh, just something I did for fun uh, uh, growing up. And you know, when I was about fourteen, I started going to uh, uh, a convention, a comic book convention, and I got to meet some of the artists there. And I would bring my crappy drawings uh, each summer. And uh, uh, show them around to those guys, and try just try to get advice on uh, how to improve. And uh, when I was seventeen, this is twenty years ago. Um, uh, there was a, a writer who was, uh, you know, sitting with an artist that I was talking to, who pulled me over and um, uh, put me to work, you know, drawing one of his stories. So um, I did that, uh, you know, like right out of the gate uh, when I was seventeen. And by the time I was 19, I was making a living working for Marvel Comics. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's the, sort of the, the prototypical Disney dream. You dream about working for Marvel Comics, and before you're able to drink, you're actually, uh, you are, you know, and so are you working freelance, or are you, do you move to, where you, do, you know, move to New York? Uh, yeah, it's, it's all freelance uh, uh, comics. Um, uh, you know, all the offices are in Manhattan, and... Uh, you know, when I started in the early 90s, I mean, everything was FedEx, you know, um, you could pretty much live anywhere in the country and, uh, and, and work for Marvel. And, um, uh, you know, in the earlier days, you, 
it did help a lot to live in the city and uh, be able to go into the offices. But by the time I started, um, you know, you could work through FedEx, and, uh, and it was pretty easy. Well, we're going to come back to the Marvel relationship with Disney because I want to sort of get your take on it. But what now that Marvel is part of Disney, what are some of the characters or comics that you worked on? And if you say Spider-Man, you're going to make this, you know, seven-year-old kid in a 43-year-old body very happy. Well, I, I did draw some Spider-Man uh, here and there. Uh, I drew a few different uh, Spider-Man stories. Uh, Spidey was always my favorite character growing up because uh, he was on the electric company when I was uh, a child. And uh, uh, so that's where it all started. And uh, But, yeah, the Marvel stuff that I did, um, it was um, Fantastic Four. Movie. They made a movie. Um, uh, there was... Uh, uh, a lot of the X-Men uh, spin-off type books. Movies. Um, yeah. Uh, well, this was in the 90s when, like, that was, like, a, a distant dream, you know, so... But all the movies came from your work. Just take the credit for it. Okay. All right, Lou. Um, but, yeah, uh, books like Excalibur, um, uh, X-Man, X-Men, uh, Fantastic Four, some Avengers stuff. Um, I, I bounced around um, all over the place. Cool, yeah. Well, like I said, we're going to come back to that. But So how does it work that... Eventually, you come to Disney. Were you a Disney fan growing up, too? Yeah, always a Disney fan. Um, you know, my mom took me to see uh, Pete's Dragon. I think that was probably nice. my first movie experience when I was little. Um, she took me to see Cinderella, which is uh, still, you know, one of my favorites, and Jungle Book, which was uh, out uh, around that time, too. Um, but, yeah, so I always, you know, grew up, you know, with a pre- an appreciation uh, of it. But, uh, you know, it, it had no clue as, uh, you know, how to uh, uh, investigate, you know, the company and, and how to work for it. But uh, the way that, uh, um, that I uh, started working with Disney um, was I had moved to Orlando with my wife after being in a studio with a bunch of other uh, comic book artists in North Carolina. Um, and uh, moved to Orlando uh, just uh, if, if there was an off chance I had a day off, there was always something to do, you know. So, um, so we did that, and uh, there were a few other comic book artists that uh, I was good friends with uh, here in Orlando. And uh, one of those guys, um, his roommate, uh, started working for DDG. Um, he, uh, I think his father actually worked for WDI um, for many years, too. So he was, um, uh, you know, close to the company already. And he, uh, he was working for DDG, uh, came in as an intern. And then, um, you know, at one point, uh, DDG was going to hire uh, a character artist. And this was in the late 90s when uh, Marvel was uh, in the middle of a bankruptcy. And um, so it was uh, not the happiest time uh, to be a comic book artist with, uh, with a family and bills to pay. So he just caught me on the right day um, and uh, to when, you know, they were going to hire somebody. And I was like, yes, that sounds wonderful. So... Uh, um, you know, I looked into it and um, uh, uh, gave him my portfolio, which I, I'd never really had a portfolio since I started drawing comics at such a young age. So I just, you know, gave him a binder with just uh, photocopies of all the pages uh, from the comics I drew. 
And uh, he was working for a guy named Mark Zeppola at the time. And Mark uh, looked at my stuff and uh, brought me in and uh, gave me a shot. And the stuff that you had submitted was not Disney stuff. I and mean, were you starting, I mean, have you, had you drawn any Disney characters up to that point? Uh, no, I hadn't um, at, that, at that point. But uh, one of my uh, editors from Marvel uh, had, uh, had moved over to uh, Penguin Putnam Publishing, and they were handling um, some of the uh, publishing efforts from uh, DreamWorks' uh, Road to El Dorado um, feature. And... Uh, he had gotten me involved uh, with drawing some of that for Penguin Putnam, and um, that was my first exposure to, you know, drawing um, characters from model sheets and, uh, you know, working uh, in, in a similar way to, uh, to doing the, the type of work that we do at Disney. Because it's interesting, and this is part of the reason why I like having you and, and Mark and Brian Blackmore and Alex Mayer have been on the show, because you're, all of your journeys to get to DDG, which is the Disney Design Group, have been very, very different. You know, some of these guys are the ones who sat there drawing a hundred, you know, Mickey Mouses a day, practicing their craft, and that's what they were submitting. Was it very different for you coming, drawing comic book characters to sort of taking a form that had to be so exact, like a classic character, where the character integrity is so very important to this company uh, and keeping it to, uh, unlike drawing a Spider-Man or a X-Man? Right. Um, yeah, it, it is very different uh, because everybody knows what Mickey Mouse looks like. Um, and working for Marvel, um, if you're drawing Spider-Man, you're able to interpret Spider-Man any way you want. Um, there's no um, house style anymore. There's no model sheets. Um, and there's really no rules. Um, so... You know, it is a, it is a bit different uh, uh, with uh, with drawing the characters that you know everybody um, that comes to Walt Disney World, and Disneyland, you know, you know, feel like such a closeness to. So, so yeah, it is a bit different, but um, you know, it's uh, there's there's a lot of good people there uh, at DDG just to sort of help you through it um, as far as you know getting getting acclimated to working that way so like on day one you know, the first monday you walk in the door is it literally all right casey here's it's mickey mouse 101 we're going to teach you how to draw mickey uh they sent you to animation academy over at uh, hollywood studios <laughs> yeah maybe it should have been that way um but as it was uh I, I think they just assumed i knew what i was doing and uh just told me to get to work and uh and that's what I did. I just uh, pretended that uh, I knew what I was doing, and uh, and it worked out. When you first found out you got the job, did you find yourself, before you got here, saying, I better start practicing some Mickeys and some Goofies, at least sort of get the Fab Five down, or because I don't have that, I'm missing the creative DNA in my body, so I can't imagine coming from drawing Spider-Man to turning on a switch and now I'm drawing Mickey, or is it just that simple for you? Uh well, don't be modest. You could say, "Yeah, it's that simple for me." Well, when when you're drawing comics, um, you know, you have to uh, be able to draw anything, you know, and if not, then then you don't you're, you're going to go broke, you know. I mean, if you, I mean, you, it, it's great training to just uh, to be able to uh, be quick on your feet and uh, learn, you know, as uh, as fast as you can. Um, Did you go to art school at all? 
no, I started when I was 17. So uh, I just suffered my way through it. Again, it's that different journey. You know, not ever, you don't have to necessarily go to CalArts. It's nice, but you don't have to go to CalArts in order to get here. Right. No, I, you don't. I mean, and, and that is, you know, that's that's the a scary part of this job. Uh, and it's 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 a great part of this job where there aren't, you know, there's no rule book um, uh, to be an artist. Uh, but, um, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, if, if you're going to succeed, it's you just have to work. You know, I, I, I'm I'm a person that doesn't believe in talent i'm a person that feels that it's all skills you know every kid draws when they're little um but at some point they get distracted by something more interesting um but artists that uh you know are more introverted or uh um you know i I know some guys who got sick when they were a kid and, and just got you know couldn't couldn't leave their bed and they just drew all the time um and and that's 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 those were where they put in all those hours. So, to me, it's it's just work. You know, I mean, it's uh, if you're willing to put in the work um, to to get to a professional level, then you can do it. There's no secret to it. There's no uh, uh, magic formula. Um, it's just a matter of if you're willing to make it your priority. And so, do you remember what that first day was? Do you remember sort of what that first project was that you were given to work on? Was it a piece of merchandise or something for the parks? Uh, this was in 2000 when uh, when I first started with DDG, um, and I, probably the the first thing I remember doing was I think it was like some Pirates of the Caribbean uh, artwork for uh, uh, with the 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 Barker out front, you know, I, I think it was, it was some sort of pirates thing. And then something for, uh, like many with like the, the dance and cheer stuff that they do every year. We keep sort of, um, using this reference of DDG and can you explain for people who maybe don't know what the Disney design group is and, and sort of the merchandise that, that comes out of there? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, uh, Disney design group, um, is a, uh, a small group of artists and designers uh, based uh, here in Orlando um, that uh, do um, the artwork for uh, theme park merchandise. So that involves um, hard lines, which is uh, snow globes, toys, vinylmation, pins, um, to uh, soft lines, which is all of the uh, shirts, uh, fleece jackets i mean pretty much any merchandise that uh, is available um in the florida parks or uh disneyland resort um comes through florida comes through disney design group and it was cool because we just walked to the merchandise shop here like that's me that's me that shirts me which is awesome but but um and i want to talk about some of the merchandise that you've created over the years as well as some of the things that you're working on now, too, that are pretty exciting. But you've also had some other roles in the company as well and even sort of worked beyond the confines of Walt Disney World merchandise. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, I was, uh, you know, with uh, DDG uh, for about three years from 2000 to uh, 2002. And uh, then my wife and I had our uh, first uh, child 
and uh, uh, it became kind of tricky for us uh, being in in Florida when uh, all the grandparents were up north and uh, with the sort of work that I've always done on a freelance basis you know you can pretty much live anywhere and uh, uh, and do it so um, we made uh, the decision to uh, um, move back up to Virginia and uh, uh, let uh, let the grandparents get to uh, be with the kids and just have all that support you know with uh, having a young family uh, can bring um, so uh, you know that was a hard decision uh, leaving Disney because I loved it you know I never had a problem so I and I really thought I would retire there if I had that had the chance so um, but kids make you do crazy things Lou and uh, so we moved uh, to Virginia. Uh, we were up there um, until about uh, five years ago. And uh, at that point, um, you know, after being back uh, as a freelancer uh, for so many years again, um, it's just it's just a hard lifestyle, you know, and uh, and it's just a, a very lonely, isolated uh, lifestyle and. Um, you know, I just, uh, uh, I missed it. I never got, uh, never got over, uh, working for, uh, for Disney. It was the best time of my life. I never had so much fun because I got to, uh, interact with so many people. Um, and you know, it's all the people you've interviewed, uh, and I've, I've learned more from listening to them, uh, on your show than I ever have talking to them. But, you know, it's, it's like you always talk about with, the cast members uh, that work here um, at Disney, um, it's the people that, that make the difference. And with, uh, with DDG, that is absolutely the case. Uh, it's the best people um, you could ever imagine working with. And, um, you know, it's, it's a, a nice little family there. And uh, so, um, you know, uh, we uh, we made made the decision again to move back to Florida, and you know, if I ever had the opportunity uh, to to be back uh, on staff again with DDG, then you know, I wouldn't have to figure out, oh God, now I got to move, or now I got to sell a house. You know, we just made the move, and uh, you know, then then the recession happened, and then everything went out the window. So you never know what's going to happen, but um, but yeah, uh, so the. Uh, answer to your question is that yes i have done other uh stuff uh during those years as a as a freelancer you know i was back working for marvel uh, comics again so i was drawing comics and uh and then um a while after that i started uh doing freelance uh jobs for uh ddg and uh uh then i was uh doing freelance jobs for um uh imagineering so um you know, I would juggle all three, and when you're a freelancer, you have to juggle, you know, anybody that calls your phone. So I never said no to any job, and um, uh, uh, yeah, so I uh, got to do a lot of fun stuff for WDI um, while, you know, maintaining everything I was doing uh, for Marvel and DDG. What kind of stuff did you work on for Imagine? Because it had to be very different than the character work that you were used to doing for DDG and certainly for what you're doing for Marvel. Yeah, um, it, some similar, uh, some different. Uh, there was uh, 
uh, I think one of the first things I did was uh, uh, doing the the Mickey uh, for the new uh, Studios logo when they changed from Disney MGM to Disney's Hollywood Studios. So I did that uh, Mickey with the clapboard, and from there... You say that so nonchalantly. Like, yeah, that Mickey that, you know, 30 million a year, people a year see, that's me. Like, it's the icon of the park. It's on the water tower. Like, that's a big deal. You know, Mark Seppel's probably going, hey, that should have been me. What? Well, uh, with Imagineering, it, it's... Uh, there's a lot of fingerprints on it, you know. I mean, with uh, with with DDG, you know, you you get uh, so much work, and uh, um, and you just have to you you control most of it. But Imagineering, it has everything has to get approved by um, so many different sets of eyes. So uh, it's 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 a big team there um, at, at Imagineering. But you still drive by and you you point to your door and say, "You see that? That's me." Yeah, they they get a kick out of that, so that is fun. Um, but yeah, so I, I did that, and uh, after that, um, a lot of the other stuff I did uh, were for the new ships, for uh, the uh, Dream and the Fantasy. Um, so you know, I got to design um, a lot, a lot of different things uh, on the ships, and that was a lot of fun. So some of the things that we were talking about for the Dream and the Fantasy. Um, Again, you're not designing the sign over the the sink. You design some things that, again, everybody sees and everybody takes a picture with. Well, a lot of it is the sign over the sink. You know, it's it, it's you can't. Not there's anything wrong with the sign over the sink. Those are beautiful too. But when you design yeah. the mini that's in the atrium, that's something to be proud of. Yeah, uh, I, I had a hand in that, but uh, you know, uh, for the, for the atrium um, for that mini. Um, we tried a few different things. There was one, uh, which is the Art Deco uh, version um, that that they have, and then we did another where she was in her uh, her standard costume uh, with the pie eye mini. Um, but yeah, the the actual, the, at least the actual dress and uh, costuming, uh, and you know some of the base. But like I said. The Imagineering stuff, uh, a lot of people get to play uh, uh, with it. And, uh, you know, there's there's always lots of back and forth. And you also said you did the scroll work in that sort of gold scroll work around the railings as well, too. When you're given a task like that, do they say, this is what we want it to be? Or do they say, this is the story we want to tell? This is the time period we're, we're sort of looking for? Um. Well, they had done that previously on uh, the first ships, I believe. And uh, so this was kind of a continuation of that and and just all new uh, character art. So I believe we just, you know, picked a ton of characters, um, a lot of uh, specific uh, activities that you get to do on the ships, um, like with Goofy playing golf, you know, and things like that. Um, so... You know, we went, you know, I just did a, a ton of roughs featuring a, a ton of characters, and then we finally picked, you know, what was working and, um, you know, ran with it. But, yeah, that's in the atrium and uh, um, uh, on the uh, the balconies with those little uh, uh, relief sculpt pieces. But, you know, that's very specific. You know, that's, uh, you know, that's... 
You can't, I don't know. <laughs> You're being modest because you leave out things. So when you think of the dream of fantasy, especially when the dream first came out, you know, the, the one word that stuck in everybody's mind was aqueduct. Aqueduct, aqueduct. And that image and that logo is something that, like the studio's logo, is something that's very sort of pronounced in people's minds. Yeah, uh, I mean that is that it's it's very exciting. I mean, yeah, I'm uh, I'm a nerd for sure. So I mean, I I got a huge kick out of getting to do that. And and when you when you do pieces for uh, Imagineering, you know that that that's a really exciting part of it. I mean, do they come to you and say, Casey, we need a logo for the aqueduct. This is the thing that is going to distinct make these ships distinguished from any other cruise ship out there. Again, do they give you some guidance, or they say Aqua Duck, Donald Duck, go? Yeah. Uh, by the time it gets to me, they know what they want, and they know what they need, and um, they just need, you know, a character artist to to handle the duty. So I will, uh, I would take it, and you know, sometimes you know, I would work from a sketch and just say, like, I mean, everything would be there for placement, and you know, I would do the final character art so it, they were always different but um but yeah i mean it, it's definitely cool you know I, I love getting to do that stuff it's a lot of fun and you also did on the stern of the ship you worked on some of the characters that hang off the back of the ship as well yeah um we did uh you can brag casey it's okay you should you should be proud of this well you know uh <laughs> The uh, the that one in particular, I, I can't brag uh, because they didn't pick my designs. Yeah, because <laughs> you know originally we had uh, uh, Pete and uh, Mickey uh, with rivet guns uh, doing rivets on the back of the ship, and then we changed that to um, uh, them painting. You know, just so it didn't look like they had machine guns or something. You know, <laughs> so you know we had them painting the uh, the back. Um, and then, you know, it was one of those things where it just went away for a while, and then it came back, and there was, um, uh, it was one of those situations where there was a sketch from um, one of the artists, I think in California, who had done uh, the Sorcerer Mickey with the, uh, uh, with the brooms from Sorcerer's Apprentice, and that, that was the concept, and then I did the, uh, the, the final character art where I tightened it up and put it on model. Was it uh, an adjustment for you, again, not coming from an artistic background, you had been drawing in two dimensions on flat surfaces forever. When you have to start sort of thinking about Minnie's dress in, in three dimensions and Mickey would look like being viewed from all different angles, <clears throat> does that present a unique challenge for somebody who's used to drawing comic books? Um, well, you know, by the time I was doing uh, this, this, this stuff for um, Imagineering, you know, I'd had the experience at DDG, and a lot of what we do at DDG um, are designing sculptures. So all those turnaround drawings where you, when you have to uh, describe uh, a, a sculpt, a bobblehead, a snow globe, an action figure um, uh, in every possible view, you know, it, that, that's, you know, that's great training. But, I mean, when I drew comics, I mean, I always tried to... You know, if, the the whole key to drawing comics is to make them as dynamic as possible, and that's what I always, you know, tried to to explore. You know, drawing comics because, you know, if the stuff is is static and uh, flat, 
then you're failing uh, in comics because you don't have any rules in comics where it has to be this way. It doesn't have to be flat like, uh, you know, like uh, the Peanuts or, or a comic strip, you know, where it's just... Uh, basic, basic storytelling. I mean, you can you can try to draw in 3D uh, when you're drawing comics, and that's preferred, you know, because it just pulls you in to the story and, uh, you know, helps bring everything to life. So, you know, from drawing comics, probably great training for trying to think in 3D when you're designing sculpts. And so you, you're doing comics, you're doing merchandise, again, everything from t-shirts that are still here years later at Wilderness Lodge to working on the cruise ships but in 2008 uh, and I think this is where a lot of people may know you from something is introduced completely new at least to, to Disney fans and maybe people who may have been fans of Japanese vinyl figures may see the correlation <clears throat> but when Vinylmation comes out it creates it is. It's a phenomenon. Tell us about your involvement early on in Vinylmation. Well, when when I was freelancing, uh, still uh, uh, at that time, uh, Thomas Scott was uh, uh, made kind of like the lead designer of uh, Vinylmation, where he was overseeing all the different series and things like that. And uh, you know, it's a small group, and and that that area of business was really growing fast. Uh, and uh, Thomas and I always uh, worked well together um, when I was on staff uh, back in the day. So um, he uh, gave me a call to uh, see if I could do um, the uh, Nightmare Before Christmas series. And uh, uh, I did that as a freelancer. And then we did uh, Park Stars Series 1 uh, right after that. Um, and that was, those were some of the very first Vinylmation I did was, uh, was the Park Stars. So how does that come to be? Because, you know, the Vinylmations themselves were sort of a, a big leap. You know, admittedly, Casey, when I first saw them, when they first came out, I'm like, what are these things? They don't look like Mickey. They don't look like characters. It's some sort of weird amalgamation of the two. Collectively, between my kids and myself, we probably have... <clears throat> we're helping to pay for your kids' education, put it that way. But no, we probably have 100-plus of these because they are collectible. And there's the trading aspect and the sort of mystery, sort of the baseball card mystery of when you get them. And then this Park Star series comes out. And not everybody may be familiar with what Park Stars is because that's another leap beyond sort of the... the traditional three-inch vinylmation. Right. Well, um, yeah, having the uh, the original three-inch uh, Mickey Mouse uh, uh, form is what they launched the vinylmation brand with. Um, you know, uh, the best part about uh, vinylmation is that you get to do a lot of different uh, type of stuff. It's not just... Um, uh, Mickey on everything. You get to do park stuff, and that's probably why you have over a hundred. You know, is because that's that's an area where you can do um, an orange bird piece and get away with it. You know, because um, if you're doing you know park series uh, annual pass type things, you know you can do stuff for 
um, for everybody. And that's, that's, that's really what we were trying to do with, with Vinylmation was to have something um, for everybody. And even, even those hardcore guests of the park um, that, uh, you know, have been coming for years and years and, and appreciate uh, when we get to uh, play with a lot of the old characters like that. So, um, you know, once once the Vinylmation uh, brand uh, took hold and uh, they were able to to grow it, uh, Thomas uh, Scott, uh, who's who's the brain behind you know all of that growth, uh, the first thing he wanted to do was uh, something like Park Stars, where it wasn't limited to one shape, you know. Um, just based on uh, the vinyl business, you know, uh, you know, outside of Disney, you know, there, you, you don't limit yourself to just one form. So uh, he he fought, you know, all the battles to uh, to to make it happen, and uh, just made the the case for it to uh, to do Park Stars, and uh, and made it happen. So you know, with that, we're able to. You know, take uh, an iconic uh, Disney theme parks character and create their own special form. Um, even though it's very stylized uh, and uh, you know a very graphic shape uh, with uh, to kind of fit the vinyl uh, feel. Um, you know, it's it, it's nice because you get to make each one uh, a little more special, a little more unique. So, I mean, with the Vinylmation series, you did have the park series, and then you expanded to urban and animation and cutesers, and, and boy, sometimes I wish you guys would explain what those are because I get very <laughs> confused. But you see how popular, especially the park series is, and you are able to pay homage to extinct attractions and shows and characters, because, and you're nodding because I have always gotten a sense, whether it's you or Brian or... Randy Noble, whoever, you're all fans first. So these are characters that I think you guys have a vested interest in wanting to see. Is that right? Yeah. Um, you know, a, a lot of, you know, what we do is, um, you know, it, it's it's souvenir-based, you know, so, you know, you want uh, a first-time guest to Walt Disney World, you know, to find, you know, the perfect souvenir to take home, uh, to to uh, remember their trip by, um, but there are also those guests uh, who, you know, uh, come a lot, you know, and and have, have been coming for years and years with their families and and have, you know, forty years worth of memories. So, you know, and and a, a lot of us that work, you know, for DDG, um, a, a lot of the guys have been there for you know years and years and years. So. It's a great time, you know, it's a great, you know, platform for us to where um, you get to draw some of the characters that you would never get to draw, you know, to get to draw, uh, you know, a Horizons Butler, uh, you know, that that's the first time that's, you know, happened in my career. So. Now, does that come from you saying, man, I want to draw the Horizons Butler or somebody saying, hey, we need to do a Horizons Butler for the people who love Horizons? Well, um, a little bit of both, but I mean, the product developer um, for Vinylmation when I started was Donald Farrow, and uh, he put a lot of trust uh, in Thomas and the art team to um, 
to 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 work out you know the the strategy for you know each series and you know what characters were doing and why so you know when when we did park stars uh Thomas and I uh, worked really closely together as far as like which characters we're picking and you know he put a lot of trust in me as far as like you know what I thought would be really cool to do and uh, so we just suggested you know characters back and forth but uh, Horizon Butler uh, was mine. Was it coincidence or inspiration that a number of the characters actually seemed to be ones that, and I still, I have two of them. I have one that I take out on my shelf. I have one that's in the closet. The, the old PVC figures. So there's um, the uh, the pirate skeleton. There's the Yeti. There's the Tiki Room. Are we sort of inspired by those as a base where you said, all right, we've got the ability now to get really creative. Let's pull out the, the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea squid as well. Or did you go back to some of those base characters that you knew everybody would sort of have a connection to? Um... Well, when we uh, well, when when you're talking about the PVC um, figures, are they like uh, the ones like sold in the parks where it's just like iconic uh, character? Yeah, they come like eight to a pack of okay. PVC figures. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, no, we didn't really start there. Uh, we just sort of made a list and uh, uh, and went from there. But but tried to you know give give everybody you know their favorites. You know, haunted mansion pirates. Uh, uh, a yeti you know uh, the, the great thing about park stars is um you know we're we are only doing like specific uh to imagineering type of characters you know it's it's not you know mickey and and uh disney characters uh, like from film and television um it's theme park you know a vinylmation started as a a theme park exclusive brand it was it was created, as you know, by uh, uh, DDG with uh, with Randy Noble, uh, you know, pressing to to make that happen. So, well, and it also, you know, it, it's like I said, it's sort of interesting. We as adults sort of get the excitement from the baseball card collectability of not knowing what's in there. I'll tell you a funny story very quickly. When my son saw the Park Stars, he's a huge Figment fan. He wanted Figment, so I was literally sitting there shaking the boxes to try and feel who might be heavier, who might not. And he got Abraham Lincoln. And there was that second of, do I cry? Do I? And I was like, Nick, you got Abraham Lincoln. He's the rarest of all the, uh-huh. the park stars. And all of a sudden, he was about to give it back to me. And he's like, wait a minute. I got the rarest of all the park stars. But, you know, now it's sort of that fun thing for him for going in and shaking the boxes and trying to see if he can find the Yeti. But I'll tell you that just like what you did with the regular Vinylmation series, you have these mystery figures as well. And because I raised my children right, he gets the Funmeister, and I'm like, sit down, son. I need to tell you the story about the days of Pleasure Island. Right, right. Uh, yeah, I'm awful at, uh, at picking the characters <laughs> in the, the blind boxes, too. Uh, and it, uh, I finally just broke down and, and bought a tray for the girls <laughs> for Christmas because, yeah, uh, there was some long trail of tears on the, the walk to the car uh, a few times with, uh, with, with when, when they got their Abraham Lincolns, you know. Um, but, yeah, uh, it's... It, it, what was the question? It, it, sort of that idea of the, the mystery figures as well. Oh, yeah, A yeah. lot of people, I think, probably had no idea who's the moon face guy that's... Yeah, I can't remember if that one was uh, Thomas's um, or mine or Donald's. Um, 
I, I, I don't remember whose idea that was. Um, it, pro- it probably was Thomas, I, I think. It, it could have been Thomas and Donald, but um, yeah, they, they were worried about that one. But, you know, it was right after, uh, you know, there were so many uh, changes with uh, Pleasure Island. Um, so we kind of looked at it as a tribute, you know, and um, because a lot of us there have uh, great memories of uh, Pleasure Island. So uh, and that's one of those things where, I mean, when, when do you get the chance to draw the Funmeister, you know? So to, to be able to create a little totem, you know, like that, that, uh, you know, you, you can put on your shelf, I love it. You know, I, I think it's just a, a ton of fun. But, yeah, he was the, uh, the mystery uh, figure in Park Stars, uh, not a chaser since uh, uh, most uh, cases only have one. Um, like uh, for a normal Vinylmation series, typically there, there, there's two of every figure, but only one chaser. So he's yeah more rare. Um, but with Park Stars being a, a totally different uh, uh, product, you know we we didn't want to drive people too crazy with with trying to uh, complete their set. So um, uh, you know that's that's why if if you just bought a, a tray, you just you, you'd get them all. You know, and you wouldn't have to to worry about it. But that's the thing for us who are nostalgic, who do remember Horizons and Twenty Thousand Leagues and Pleasure Island. This is our chance to get a piece of new merchandise with a character that we wouldn't be able to get otherwise. Yeah, and I mean that's uh, the greatest part uh, about Park Stars is uh, you get. You get to do, you get to have something like that, a, a tangible uh, thing that you can take home uh, that represents Horizons. Um, and there's there's a lot more uh, stuff like that to come in uh, series two. So so I, you you beat me to the punch. I was like, can I ask you if this? If, so is the Park Star series is going to continue beyond? Yeah, uh, Park Star series two is uh, complete, and it should be out by the end of this year 2012 um if if it doesn't you know it'll be shortly uh after uh the new year i would think in 2013 but uh yeah thomas and i just uh unwrapped uh series two uh, uh in the office uh this evening um uh back from the factory where they've made the new um vinyl molds so uh yeah, we're really excited about Series 2. Um, You've got that look like it's so cool, but I just can't tell you what they are. There, there are a few in there in Series 2 uh, that are very specific uh, to things that, you know, that, to things that I really like. And uh, uh, that's that's a, an awesome part of getting to, to work on those. Um, but, yeah, there, there are a few in there where... You know, I, I was really trying to hold back on um, uh, spending the money on uh, Series 1. Uh, but once I saw, like, the 3D render of uh, the one that I like so much in Series 2, and I, I knew I was going to have to have that sitting on my shelf, but I knew Series 2 looked so good, you know, in, in, in 3D or the 3D sculpts. Um that I, I knew I was going to have to buy them, so that's why I, I went ahead and bought a tray of Series One to uh, to finish off uh, my my collection. And your apparent love of kind of retro Disney World and very specific things goes beyond just the Vinylmation 
craze and the phenomenon that it is. Because you also, like I said, you do some a bunch of soft line merchandise as well, soft line T-shirts, and something that everybody you know has a connection to and always wants to get a new one of. There's been a great series of shirts that's coming out and that has come out not just about attractions. It didn't take very long to turn the conversation to food, but even food items. So there's, you know, turkey legs. And just today, we saw some images on the Disney Parks blog about some other fan favorites as well. Yeah, I mean, the coolest part um, about working for for DDG is just the uh, uh, diversity in in the actual projects you get to do. So, you know, I've I've done yeah, tons of animation, tons of pins over the years. Um, action figures, you know, I've designed. Um, and uh, now I'm working, uh, uh, like you were saying, in, in soft lines uh, doing T-shirt designs. And, um, and yeah, so, you know, we get to, to, to dip into all sorts of different areas um, uh, with, with that business. And, uh, yeah, some of the most fun I've had is uh, getting... To uh, to develop uh, all these new pieces for uh, uh, the Dole Whip uh, shirt that's out, the Churros uh, shirt that just came out, um, the the Turkey Leg um, shirt that uh, that I just did. That's really that's that's how this all happened. Was uh, Doug Strayer um, at DDG uh, had done the uh, the original Turkey Leg shirt that uh, has been out for a year. And I just did it, you know, as a goof, you know. But, um, you know, he finally got it out there and found out that there were a lot of people that like to uh, come to Disney World and buy something fun that is very much just park experience, what you do here. I doubt you would ever buy a 10-pound turkey leg and walk around with it if you're on the street in Chicago, you know. But if you're uh, on Main Street, go crazy, you know. So, um, and buy a T-shirt representing your favorite snack item in the park. Right, right. That that that's how they get to take it home. You know, they get to to have that memory with them. You know, uh, when they're watching football on Saturday. You know, they 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 took that turkey leg home. So that opened the door to like, well, you know, what else? You know, is there that uh, that people love and associate with the uh, the Disney theme park experience? So. Um, you know that's that opened the door to Dole Whip doing churros, and uh, the new Turkey Leg shirt that um, uh, that just came out, uh, which is uh, just a, sort of a retro uh, poster uh, type of take on uh, on Turkey Legs, and you know that's that's uh, that's been received well too. So it's been great, and that retro feel, that retro style, really seems to have been embraced. Whether it's the, the the churro shirt, the turkey leg shirt, the, your your people mover shirt, your monorail shirt, people love that sense of nostalgia um, when it comes to the Disney parks. Well, I hope so. Um, if not, I'm gonna have to go buy a bunch of shirts uh, and uh, make up for it. But uh, but no, it's you know the, we have to have something for everybody, and uh, you know. For for fans of the park, you know who who've been coming back, you know year after year, you know we've got to have something new and something uh, something they think is really cool and part of the park experience. So, you know when uh, when we got these going, um, 
you know, I called on my buddy uh, Richard Terpstra, and uh, he had uh, been doing a lot of really cool retro uh, merchandise, and um, uh, I brought him in and uh, got him to do um, the uh, Dole Whip and uh, churros, and, um, you know, he just nailed it, you know, it was exactly what we were looking for, and, um, uh, you know, it, it's... It's it's nice to uh, to to bring in you know something like that and have it out in the park and uh, and I'm glad that uh, you know people seem excited about it. Well, and that's the thing too is that now in in this social age, you're able to you don't have to stand in the emporium to see what people think about it. Disney Parks Block is posting us up there, and Stephen Miller does a great job of sort of sharing the new merchandise that's coming out. There's Twitter and Facebook. Do you watch? Do you sort of monitor that at all a little bit to see what that fan reaction is? Well, um, yeah. I mean, uh, Stephen does an awesome job with uh, with with getting the word out there. And I mean, of, of course, there's uh, so many blogs and and so many people on Twitter. Um, so yeah, it's it's all out there now. You know, you don't. It's not uh, a situation where. You just show up uh, at Walt Disney World in June, and it's all uh, fresh. You know, it's not like you're seeing it for the first time. So it's a, it's a, it's it is something good to pay attention to, just to uh, get the word out and um, uh, make sure that people know what we're what we're doing, and uh, maybe they'll have something uh, to look for uh, when they get here. And the other thing, too, that I like about that and that I've always liked about the, the Vinylmations, this is one of the things I, I talked to Randy about, is that uh, I always say, and I even said at the beginning, that for the most part, artists don't get a chance to sign their work. They're not necessarily acknowledged individually, but you do get to sign your vinyls. And for these kind of things, you know, the Parks blog, they do talk about the individuals who are working on them. And you are out there sort of in the social space and you do signings and things like that. Do you like being able to get that feedback and that appreciation directly from guests because now it's not just hey Disney thanks for putting out the, the, the people mover shirt it's Casey I love your shirt yeah I mean it's fun you know when you when you go out to a signing and you know you're just meeting like minded people you know because uh, I mean my family and I spend all our time in the parks you know we love the parks and uh, just have a blast so um, you know, the people who, uh, who are into collecting, um, you know, they're just like me. So I like to hear, uh, their feedback and, uh, you know, it's, of course, it's awesome if, if somebody likes something you do, that's always great. And as a total nerd and child of the eighties and star, well, let me say original star Wars trilogy fan, um, it's been a great expansion of the marriage of Disney and Lucas and that Disney Star Wars franchise with Star Wars Weekends and some of that merchandise that's come out and certainly expanded greatly over the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's something I've been, you know, really lucky with, um, with my background and uh, drawing comic books. Uh, you know, when, when I got to come into DDG, um, I, I ended up getting assigned some Lucasfilm uh, properties with uh, uh, doing stuff for Indiana Jones and doing stuff for Star Wars. So, I mean, of course, that's fun. Um, but, uh, yeah, I did the um, uh, 
the uh, action figures uh, that are, I think they're out now uh, with the uh, the Clone Wars versions of the Star Wars characters. Um, those just came out, and I worked uh, with Monty uh, Maldovan on the uh, Muppets um, Star Wars action figures, too. So there's all kinds of uh, uh, cool stuff that we get to do there. Yeah, we uh, I did a video with Steven right around Christmas time where he was showing the prototypes. Big mistake showing it to my son. Big, big mistake. Although I did get him a star speeder, so I was like, I mean, Santa was the best Santa ever. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, but again, you know, too, it's, you know, your story is inspiring because you've gotten a chance to work. I mean, if you think about it, Casey, you've worked on some of the most iconic characters in pop culture history. You've worked on Spider-Man and Marvel characters. You've done Mickey and the Fab Five. You've worked on Muppets and you've worked on Star Wars. Yeah, um, don't worry. I've got really low self-esteem, so uh, uh, there's a, there's a lot of guys that get to uh, to work on all that stuff that are a lot better than me. So uh, I don't. Uh, I don't well, you're humble, it. but you should be proud because again, I, I think it's a testament to the quality of your work that you are entrusted to ensure the integrity of characters that are so heavily entrenched in our minds, in our memories, and pop cultures. And now you've got to bring them to life uh, in completely new forms. Yeah, uh, it's, it's awesome. I definitely uh, enjoy it. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great job. And while I would love to ask you about what's next, I know you're going to give me that look like it's really cool, Lou, but I just can't tell you. So what I do want to ask you is this, is part of having you come on is I, I want to share your story. I want to share your journey, and I want other people to become inspired by it because those people who are listening whether they're 8 or 18 or 28 who are saying this is what I want to do I would love to do this too can hear the story of somebody who has done it and has taken a different path than other people so what if any kind of advice would you give to somebody who is sitting home and has been drawing and this is what they want to do well, I mean, you can definitely do it. I mean, there's no uh, there's no secret to it, and there's uh, it's it's not there's no trick. It's just uh, putting in the work. You know, you've got to uh, uh, work like crazy to uh, to get you know good enough to be on on a professional level to where you can um, to to get a lot of the uh, really fun assignments like that. But um, it's like I said earlier. There's, there's no secret to it. There's, it, it's it's a skill. Drawing is just a skill. And if you, uh, if if you're serious about it and you're dedicated, um, uh, you can do it. Um, if, if if I can do it, you know anybody can do it. But but you have to be a little crazy. You have to uh, put it above everything else. You know. I mean, when I, I've, I've been doing this for almost 20 years now, and you know, most of those years I work 100 hours a week, you know. I mean, it's just uh, it's just all those hours, uh, you know, of, of just trying to get better and, um, you know, just just keeping at it. You know, that's that's what will pay off. And the unfair question, of course, is, oh, what's the favorite thing you've ever created or what are you most proud of? And I and I won't ask that, but. Is there anything that you sort of look at or look up to or, or look back on or look on your shelf and say, you know, this is what I want to be the Casey Jones legacy or this is one of the things that for one reason or another I am really 
so proud of. Those are the things I want my daughters to look at and say, you know, my dad did this. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've gotten to do... Uh, if you want to say it's, it's the turkey leg t-shirt, you can say it. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's, uh, you know, whenever I get to do something, uh, uh, you know, that uh, something that's special to me you know, and, and, you know, the things that I like, it's awesome. You know, getting to do uh, uh, Park Stars and getting to sneak in... Um, a robot butler, you know, that's, you know. Is he your favorite? Is he sort of your favorite of the vinyl nation? Uh, it's not like your children. They're not listening. Yeah. No, well, so far, um, there, there are, there are new ones coming out that, uh, uh, that I like a lot too. But, you know, when you get to touch, you know, something like that, um, that, uh, is, you know, part of, uh, your, your childhood and, uh, stuff, stuff that it's not even around anymore. Um, it's awesome. Uh, you get to really get to do a lot of things like that uh, at Disney, where um, you 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 everything you're, you're excited about uh, and um, makes you happy when you walk through uh, the park. It's you know you can apply all that to your uh, to to when you go into work the next day. But yeah, when you when you walk around uh, Epcot and uh, get to just have uh so much fun with your family and uh i don't know you just it becomes part of your life uh you know you get to use that and you know some of some of the most you know fun i've I've had like there was another one uh uh you know epcot is my favorite park uh by far um and uh tapestry of nations uh my favorite thing uh that i think the parks have ever pulled off. I mean, I think it's just amazing. So there have been a few times where I've gotten to do um, pieces specific to Tapestry of Nations. There was a, a Vinyl Nation set um, uh, that came out recently that's out, and uh, uh, and there's been a, a few other things. So, you know, it's there, there's, there's all sorts of stuff, and, and getting to do attractions that you love, like uh, Haunted Mansion, um, Pirates, and things like that. Um, there's, there's, there's so much. And so quickly going back to the Star Wars characters and the Star Wars merchandise, uh, one of the things I look forward to, and lots of people do obviously, is Star Wars weekends, not just for the events that, that take place, but for the merchandise as well. Can you give us a sort of a hint on maybe some of the things that either you've done or maybe we might be seeing going forward? Uh, yeah, I worked on the, uh, uh, the artwork for last year's Star Wars Weekends uh, that we did the uh, uh, the poster for, and it, I guess it was like the main logo piece. Uh, that was uh, uh, me and um, another artist, Greg McCullough, who did all of the uh, Photoshop rendering. Um, this year, uh, the um, uh, the piece uh, for Star Wars Weekends is uh, is Donald as Darth Maul. And uh, that's a piece that I'm uh, very uh, uh, excited about because uh, uh, I brought in uh, Tim Townsend, who's a friend of mine from comics, who, uh, who's been inking like X-Men and stuff for Marvel for 20 years. Um, so he did all the, uh, all the inkings for uh, the Star Wars Weekend stuff. And um, uh, a colorist from, who used to color me on Spider-Man and Fantastic Four, Danimation, uh, did the colors and uh, the stuff looks really sharp so it's, it's really cool but yeah when um, 
when Star Wars Weekends uh, starts uh, this year, I think it's May 18th, um, we're we're going to do a signing um, in the parks that weekend and then a later weekend in June. Um, but they put it on um, a few really cool uh, pieces, and there's, there's a lot of great stuff this year. It should be a lot of fun. And so I have to ask you, with your background as a Marvel artist and your work for Disney, what were your thoughts when you heard about the Disney acquisition of Marvel, which admittedly for a lot of us seemed to come out of left, left field, and what do you think about it sort of going forward? Well, yeah, I was definitely uh, surprised. Uh, didn't see it coming, but, uh, you know, it, it did make perfect sense where, um, you know, we have Princess and we have so many, you know, bases covered as far as, far as um, you know, having something for everybody, you know, with, with a family. Uh, but we didn't really have uh, boys. And, um, you know, that's something we had talked about, you know, for a while. So, um uh, when when Disney um, bought Marvel, um, it, it did make perfect sense, and uh, honestly, it's super exciting. Uh, mainly just because you know I love Marvel, have a lot of uh, uh, affinity towards Marvel, and with you know everything they've been through over the past ten years, you know up to that point. Um, uh, it, it's it's nice because you know they never had that parent company um, to kind of shelter them, you know, against you know any any of the the stuff you've read about as far as uh, um, people like uh, trying to buy them previously or, or uh, you know different different things like that. But so to know that you know um, Marvel is with Disney now. You know, it, it ensures that it's never going to be split up. You know, it's never going to be um, uh, destroyed. It's always going to be around, you know. And, you know, I, I think I think it, it's going to be great. And, you know, how, how it's going to look, you know, uh, in the parks in the future, you know, no idea. But at least that potential is there. And it's, it's something, you know, everybody's excited about. Well, it's an exciting time. I mean, you've got sort of the... Another Spider-Man movie coming out. Everybody is stoked for the Avengers and everything else that's going to come from that. So, and the idea of this marriage of, of Disney and Marvel as a little boy who grew up, you know, wishing he was Peter Parker and loving Disney the way he did. Uh, you know, you you wonder what that relationship's going to be like in the future. Yes, I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have no idea, you know. Um, you know, it, it's still, you know, even though it's been, you know, a, a few years, uh, you know, it, it's still very early um, as far as, like, how, how it's all going to work. Um, well, I think a lot of Marvel fans are also Disney fans. A lot of Disney fans are also Marvel fans. It's just like the Muppets and George Lucas. It's one of those things that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so here comes the softball questions. These are the real softballs. Favorite Walt Disney World theme park attraction? Um, the answer is uh, uh, <laughs> the uh, Twilight Zone Tower of Terror here at, here in Florida. Uh, I, I think that's the greatest attraction uh, in Florida. Um, but uh, Spaceship Earth, uh, in, in a different way, is probably my favorite. Oh, here you go. Favorite Spaceship Earth narrator? Jeremy Irons. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Favorite Walt Disney World resort? Oh, um, Polynesian. 
But uh, big fan of the Wilderness Lodge, too, Lou. Look at you pulling a Lou and throwing a bonus one in there every time as well. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favorite Disney character? Um, I don't know if I have a favorite Disney character. Um, favorite Disney movie is The Jungle Book. Nice. Um, also Sleeping Beauty. Uh, but uh, if I have a... Uh, actually, if, if, I, if I had to pick a character, it is Maleficent. If you would have said Orange Bird, I would have hugged you. Favorite Sherman Brothers song? (laughs) Oh, favorite uh, Sherman Brothers song is uh, One Little Spark. Duh. And the most important question of all, favorite Walt Disney World restaurant? Oh, Lou. Uh, It's hard, Lou, because that's my favorite thing to do. Um, You might cut some of this out. we just ate at Artist Point, so if you want to say Artist Point, I'm totally down with that because the buffalo was awesome. You know, uh, Kona Cafe is uh, one of my all-time favorites. I love it. Um, uh, I'm a huge fan of Epcot, so uh, um, I, I love all the restaurants in Epcot. Um, but, I mean, we, we go to the resorts all the time, and... Um, it, it's really you. You know what's your favorite? If you You're so non-committal. Tonga Toast or Samoan? Oh, Samoan! Nice. Oh my lord! Nice. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm with you. you. I'm with you. What is your favorite restaurant? Wait a minute, Dole Whip or Citrus Swirl? Um, Dole Whip. Have you had the new one? Have you had the new Citrus Swirl yet? We got to hit the Magic Kingdom. Okay. Citrus Swirl, Tiki Room, Sherman Brothers, all good stuff. Casey Jones, senior character artist from the Disney Design Group. Uh, thank you so much for joining me tonight. This has been great to sort of hear your story, uh, hear your journey, and to share some of the things that you've worked on. Hopefully it's inspired other people as well. And hopefully they'll come out and they'll meet you during Star Wars weekends. We'll definitely make sure we plug it as we get closer. Hey, Lou, I'm not done talking. Um, so what are, you, what, are, what are you most looking forward to in the parks in the next five years? What do you want? What am I most? Well, that's two different questions. Mm-hmm. What I'm most looking forward to are the things I don't know about yet. I have implicit trust. Don't shake your head because I don't know. Um, I, I am look. Look, I'm certainly looking forward to on a short term basis the expansion of the Seven Dwarfs Mine Coaster. Very much, much looking forward to that. Um, I'm looking forward to Cars Land out in Disneyland. Really looking forward to heading out there this summer and checking that out. But I am excited about the things I don't know about. I'm excited about where Marvel may potentially go in the parks. How and and in merchandise. You know, Spider-Man Vinylmation, I'm online now. Um, you know, things like Avatar, you know, we've, there's a lot of discussion and debate about Avatar. I envision in my mind Pandora at night, that for me, and where the technology is going. I think that's what I'm looking forward to most. How the technology, the interactive, personalized experiences that are going to come. That's my answer. The interactive, personalized experiences that are hopefully, that I would expect to come to the parks in the next couple of years. All right. That's corny, Lou. (laughs) Um, Now, the right answer is Jim Cameron. To me, that's the... uh, that's the biggest news uh, that that I've ever heard, and uh, that's what I'm most excited about, uh, just to see what in the world uh, is going to happen um, when it comes to, you know, bringing 
some of his ideas uh, into the parks is going to be amazing. And it's it's one of those things where, you know, for nerds like us who uh, who grew up uh, with Epcot Center, you know, that was all about uh, all all these different visions from uh, all these different futurists. You know, and Jim Cameron is like the futurist of uh, of, of our time. So. Uh, I am just uh, over the moon just to see what. And he's uh, a great storyteller. Absolutely. I mean, and I mean, I, I don't want this to just turn into a Jim Cameron podcast, but you know, just like Walt. I mean, every every movie he ever made, uh, you know, he bet his whole reputation on it and and his his livelihood. So, you know, he he took you know all kinds of chances and. Um, with 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 every project he he took on, so, but I mean everything he's into. I mean, uh, with I mean all the Mars stuff that he developed a few years ago. I mean before Avatar. Um, I mean all the ideas he could bring to uh, to you know Epcot, uh, Tomorrowland. I think it's a really exciting time for uh, for for the company just with you know everything that's going on that we know about. And then everything, you know, like that, just all the potential that's out there. Um, it's, there's a lot of great stuff, and it's an exciting time to be here. I, I'm with you. I'm, uh, I'm positive in that sense in that I trust not only the company, but who they partner with. Somebody like a Jim Cameron, whose track record, you know, it's not the worst in the world. He's got the Titanic thing, the Avatar thing. He's doing okay for himself. So when I said that... What I don't know about in the future is what I was referring to, because I think Avatar Land is more than a land based on the film. It's Pandora. It's what Jim Cameron's going to bring. It's that storytelling. It's that technology. Um, it's another one of those partnerships that, again, yeah, when you when you partner somebody like that with, you know, all the people that you do know about, you know, in Imagineering um, and all the talent there, all the talent. Uh, uh, that all, with all of his people uh, putting those those teams together, man, it's it's going to be awesome. I agree. You're right. It's an exciting time to be uh, a Disney fan. It's an exciting time to be a theme park fan. Certainly, an exciting time to be a merchandise fan. Uh, we browse the store downstairs. I need to go do some shopping. Casey Jones. Now we're done. Now we're done. Lou, we didn't even get to talk about the beaver tails yet. Oh, so. See, now all of a sudden you're coming out of your shell. You want to start talking about beaver tails. Well, yeah, I've already uh, ruined it by this point, so uh, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter now. When you start talking about hand witches and things like that, after we need a hand witch t-shirt. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, what's your, uh, what, what are the things you miss the most in the parks right now? Because I really miss those beaver t- beaver tails, Lou, and uh, oh man, those the fresh crepes in uh, in France uh, at Epcot. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Mm. So you asked me about things I missed, and you mentioned two food items. You didn't even mention you could no. care less about Twenty Thousand Leagues you know. or Horizons or the Skyway buckets. These are the little things. The little thing I miss. I can't think of anything food-related that I'm missing because they always replace it. You know, you lose the sandwich, but you get chicken and waffles. You lose the beaver tail, but you get gourmet hot dogs. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. Well, forget that one. All right. So uh, now listen, uh, I've been listening to your show uh, for uh, five, seven years. And, uh, I'm sorry. So, uh, so listen, if you could... Um, 
if you could go back in time, interview anybody associated with the company, who, who would, uh, other than Walt and uh, his brother Roy, who would you most want to interview? Somebody that I've never interviewed before? Yeah, yeah. Like Annette or, you know, Roy E. Disney or is there an Imagineer or no Guy Williams? All right, who? Michael Eisner. Oh, is that right? Well, that's uh, you can still do that. I, I say Michael Eisner because I think that Michael Eisner... It's always easy to remember the bad stuff somebody does. I think a lot of people don't remember what Michael Eisner did for this company in the time that he was here. The resorts, the parks, the expansion, the growth. All that is attributable to... And obviously Frank Wells, too, but, you know, Michael Eisner so... Yeah, at the end, after you know, the post-Frank Wells era were some decisions made that maybe started sort of going off. Absolutely. I want to talk to Michael Eisner about the good stuff that he did while he was here. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, I, I started, uh, you know, like we, like we were talking about in 2000, and, um, um, you know, Michael was still with the company then. And, uh, you know, I've read all the books, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, no know the history and know what he pulled off you know in the shape that we were in in the late 80s and uh, I, I i'm with you i mean he 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 really um he did a lot of good and uh you know some questionable things you know later on towards the end but uh but i think everybody uh has a lot of respect for him so i'd like to hear michael asner tell his story in his own words about all that good stuff that, that came from when he was here. Sure, sure. So, if Michael, if you're listening, let's sit down. We'll, I'll get a beaver tail and we'll sit down uh, and, uh, and chat. All right, cool. Not a net? Not a net. Really? Not a net. Okay, all right. All right, I'll... I'll, I'll Helen I'll, Reddy. I'll, <laughs> oh, yeah? Helen Reddy, Pete's Dragon, Helen Reddy. There you go. What about Mickey Rooney? Have you ever met him? I haven't. Really? And I'd like to because we're probably about the same height. <laughs> it's time for the Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I'll pose a question about Walt Disney World history, a current or former attraction or show, maybe play a sound clip or ask where in the world you may have heard a line from a specific attraction or show. Last week, I asked you about a Tokyo Disneyland attraction that was originally planned for inclusion in Japan at World Showcase in honor of our review of the Katsura Garden Grill, my favorite counter-service restaurant in all of World Showcase. And so the attraction that was originally planned for Japan in World Showcase, but eventually went to Tokyo Disneyland, wasn't the Mount Fuji roller coaster. Instead, it was Meet the World, which was sort of a, a carousel of progress type attraction, which was featured in Tokyo Disneyland until June 2003. The 19-minute show really focused on the history of Japan and its opening up to the outside world. And it was led by an animated crane explaining Japanese history to a young boy and young girl from Yokohama. The show featured a number of audio animatronic characters and a projected movie screen behind them and was similar to Carousel of Progress, but opposite in where Carousel of Progress in Walt Disney World, the audience sits in the rotating theater and the stages are in the center. 
Whereas in Tokyo Disneyland, the audience sat in the rotating theater inside and the stages were built around them. Also of note, the Meet the World theme song was written by the legendary Sherman Brothers, Richard and Robert Sherman. And so before I announce the winner, I want to thank all of you who entered this week. Literally hundreds of you got this answer correct. Congratulations. Thank you for playing. We put all the correct answers into a randomizer. And this week's winner of all six of my audio walking tours on CD, Main Street, Adventureland, Fantasyland, Mickey's Toontown Fair, rest in peace, Fantasyland, Frontierland, and Liberty Square, a limited edition WW Radio five-year anniversary pin, and the Kingdom Keepers five book hardcover signed by author Ridley Pearson. Don't forget about our live chat on Monday, April 23rd is Brenda Browning. So Brenda, congratulations. Please email me your address. I'll get your prize package out to you right away. Again, thanks to everybody who played. And if you didn't win, that's okay, because here is this week's Walt Disney World trivia question of the week. And now in honor of of the Orange Bird's return, and I invite you to please come by, watch my video from the D23 event over at wdwradio.com slash orangebird, or look for the link in this week's show notes or on the site. Let's see how well you know or remember our little orange friend, because here is a simple question for you for this week's trivia question. The Orange Bird cannot speak, so how does he communicate? How does the Orange Bird communicate? Email your answers to contest at wdwradio.com by 11.59 p.m. on Sunday, April 29th. And again, we'll take all the correct answers, put them in the randomizer, and this week you have a chance to win all six of the CDs, the anniversary pin, and, in honor of the Orange Bird, an Orange Bird Sipper Cup from the Sunshine Tree Terrace. Again, 11.59 p.m. Eastern, Sunday, April 29th, to contest at wdwradio.com. Just tell me, how does the Orange Bird communicate for a chance to win? Good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. The show ran long, so just a couple of quick reminders and important announcements. First, I mentioned on last week's show our first annual WDW Radio e-ticket event on Friday, September 28th, 2012. It's going to be an evening with the Secret Society of Historical American Adventurers. So if you like the Adventurers Club and our event there, you're going to love this. We've rented out the American Adventure Pavilion for an Adventurers Club type show that you have never seen before. The preservation of the Secret Society of Historical American Adventurers or the Pasha Club is going to be dressed in their best time period reenactment garb. They're going to have some uh, dedications to great American adventures before them. They're going to put on a show. There'll be music, uh, of course, a hoopla at the end, and lots more. For more information, you can visit our events page over at wdwradio.com. But you're going to want to tune in to WDW Radio Live starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern this Wednesday. And we're going to announce exactly when tickets are going to go on sale. And you can find out how you can get a first crack at them before anybody else by booking your room as part of the Mouse Fan Travel Group. Again, all the information will be on our events page. Also, stay tuned for more information about what we have planned in 2013 and a survey where you can help decide where we're going to go, land, sea, and world. Speaking of sea, don't forget about our cruise in November with Richard Sherman on the Disney Dream. 
We're inviting you to send in your cruise-related questions, whether it's about Disney cruising in general, our cruise in the dream with Richard Sherman, whatever it may be. Send your question in by Friday, April 27th at lou at www.radio.com. We'll have a cruise prep show coming up very, very soon. Don't forget, too, if you want to join us on the cruise, Mouse Fan Travel still has great rates and stateroom options available. You can find out more. Get a no-obligation quote over at www.radiocruise.com. Also, be sure and come by the site over at www.radio.com. Have a lot more going on there, including conversations about the podcast, but daily blog posts, including a new contest. Our home went Disney on the blog. See where you may be incorporating Disney into your home. Share your photos for a chance to win a prize package. Don't forget, I also love hearing from you. Call the voicemail at 407-900-9391 to be heard on the air or email me at lou at www.radio.com. Tune in this and every Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern for our live video broadcast and chat. We'll talk about this week's Walt Disney World news normally from the parks. And stay tuned. Next Wednesday, May 2nd, we have a very special show and guest. Brian Blackmore from the Disney Design Group is going to join us live and teach you, and hopefully me, how to draw Mickey. So that'll be on Wednesday, May 2nd, starting at 7.30. Again, for more information, visit www.radiolive.com. Quick thanks to everybody who came by the meet of the month in Walt Disney World today over at the Dawa Bar in Disney's Animal Kingdom. Had a great time celebrating Earth Day, Animal Kingdom's anniversary, getting to make and meet some great new friends. Also, thanks to everybody who signed up to be part of the WDW Radio running team. Had a ton of new signups over the last couple of weeks. Thank you and congratulations for committing to join the running team to do your uh, uh, marathon event or events and helping to raise money for the Dream Team Project and the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. To that end, I just came back from San Diego where I was privileged to speak at the National Convention. Uh, I was there for and because of and representing all of you and the work that you guys have done to raise more than $200,000 for the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America over the past few years. So thank you again for all that. Speaking of thanks, thanks again to my partners and sponsors. Of course, you know, Mouse Fan Travel. Whether you're coming on the cruise, coming to the event, or want to go to Disney World, Disneyland... Maybe another Adventures by Disney in our future. Again, stay tuned for our survey. Who knows? Maybe even Aulani in Hawaii. Mouse Fan Travel has the best possible prices, all available discounts, an incredible level of personal service, all at no cost to you. Visit them over at mousefantravel.com. When you come to Walt Disney World, maybe you want to get something a little bit bigger. Maybe you want your own pool, your own kitchen, your own spa or game room. All-Star Vacation Homes has everything from two-bedroom condos up to seven-bedroom homes. You can bring the whole extended family. Visit them over at allstarvacationhomes.com. And if you want to stay right in the heart of Walt Disney World, and like me, go eat in the heart of Walt Disney World, I love the Swan and Dolphin. I love Blue Zoo, Il Molino, Shula's, best steak on property. And of course, the Weston Heavenly Beds, the most comfortable beds, I think. You can visit them over at swananddolphin.com or click on the link to any of those right on the WW Radio homepage. And of course, don't forget Celebrations Magazine is now gone digital. You can get all the issues on your iPhone, iPod Touch, and or iPad. Visit www.radio.com slash celebrations. That'll take you to the iTunes store where you can download the app for free and then purchase and or subscribe for individual issues. That is going to do it. I know I forgot something because I have so much going on, so much that I'm excited to start sharing with you uh, that I've been working on over the past few weeks and actually months. But as always, my friends, and you are my friends and you prove it to me every single day at the meets with your tweets, with your emails and so much more. All I ask is that if you like this show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share links on Facebook or Pinterest or Google Plus or on other discussion forums. And please 
come by, rate and review the show. Very much appreciated over in iTunes as well. And finally, and most importantly, thank you sincerely again to each and every one of you for taking the time not only to tune in each and every week, but more importantly, for allowing me to share my passion for Disney with you through the show and so many other ways. And please remember that you can do it too. And anything can be accomplished and overcome with the right amount of work and a whole lot of love. So until next week, I hope you guys have a great week this week. See ya. Hi, Lou. This is Brian from Philadelphia. And I just heard the show of the top 10 wow moments. And I think one of my wow moments is every time I get ready to leave Walt Disney World and they weigh my suitcases, and I realize uh, just how many quote-unquote collectibles uh, I just bought. Um, actually, I'm just kidding. Um, a lot of the uh, uh, wow moments you had are probably my top wow moments, but I think another great uh, wow moment is the climax uh, to uh, Fantastic. Uh, the spectacle of the dragon, the lake on fire, and then especially uh, the boat with all of the Disney characters on it. And if you have kids, um, you know, sometimes you know, it's hard to find uh, characters in the parks and things that they want to see. And if you get to the end of that show, you are guaranteed uh, to see at least some of the characters they've been looking for throughout the park. And uh, I know, uh, you know they always get real excited to see uh, some of the more obscure ones. And you know, some of the ones that I don't think actually are in the park. So I think that's another great wow moment. And uh, I enjoyed the show. and look forward to hearing more. Hi, Lou. It's Darlene from West Seneca, New York. I just wanted to say thank you so very much for keeping me company on my road trip alone back from Wisconsin. I am driving back to West Seneca, New York by myself, and I am thankful to have all your shows uh, to listen to on the way. It's a beautiful day on the road. It's uh, 57 degrees and sunny, so... But this makes it so much easier to do the drive. Looking forward to our trip to WDW um, in November on the 15th and 20th. And I'm in a countdown. Uh, so I am so excited. Uh, have a great day. And magical one. And stay safe, everybody. Have a good one. Bye-bye. You've got a friend.